Hi, I'm Nick Gill, International Strength and Conditioning Coach. I've been working with the All Blacks for the past 15 years and have been part of two successful Rugby World Cups. I love to coach rugby players and I love to see them succeed on and off the field. And now, I can be part of your rugby journey. Rugby Ready is my way of sharing my knowledge and experience with the greater rugby community through our online coaching platforms, our training programs and our educational resources. This week's episode is brought to you by Perform. Perform gives you the blueprint for success. Your monthly membership unlocks unlimited access to all of our in-season, off-season, and pre-season training program tracks, as well as educational resources so you can train to be the best. All you have to do is show up and put in the work. Go to www.rugbyready.ca perform and use the code RR20 to save 20% off your first month of training. Welcome to the Rugby Ready Podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to give you the tools to become a more powerful rugby player. And to kick it off, Gilly's going to define his definition of what a powerful rugby player is. Well, thanks, Bucky. Thanks for having me again, mate. Hey, um, I suppose um, what is a high level rate? What does high high levels of um, power look like? I suppose um, the key thing is. Um, Power in, in our sport of rugby is is all about high levels of force production um, in a short amount of time. And and so that time factor being the key. Um, and, and situations we find ourselves in on the field uh, require different amounts of force and different sort of time parameters. So so it's really that having that ability to create force quickly is generally what what defines power. So so, all right. So we know what it is. So when you look at measuring a player's power output, are there specific benchmarks that you aim for, or how do you, how do you specifically measure each individual's output? Um, I think the, the most important thing really is, um, is power is, I suppose, exhibited in, in many different forms on the rugby field. And, you know, we've got that sort of reactive power where, um, we're reacting to something else on the park and it's the ability to do that and respond quickly. Um, accelerating off the mark is an expression of power. So, so 10 meter acceleration, um, you know, even, even players like an Artie Sevilla, um, you know, he, he demonstrates massive degree of power when he's carrying the ball. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we, we can't measure that other than how, dominant he is and carries i suppose um and we just know that it's a, a a massive asset of his um you know other people demonstrate high levels of power in tackling where where they're they're performing or executing dominant tackles often um and then obviously there's the there's the power exhibited in scrums the power exhibited in jumping and line outs even lifting and line outs um so there's a whole lot of ways we express it and so the best way to measure it is is through performance on the field um, because that's what we're that's what training is all about it's about it's about seeing how that is reflected or expressed on the on the park um so the first thing is look at video assess your own game um am i showing um am i powerful in my movements out on the field and then obviously the really easy way for us to measure it in the in the gym is is testing some of those things jumping you know, how high can you jump? Um, how far can you jump? Um, laterally, can we jump far with one leg versus the other leg? Um, acceleration, so 10 meter sprint time. Um, 
you know, medicine ball throws, uh, throwing weight or moving weight quickly and measuring bar speed. Um, I mean, there are all the, all the ways that we can actually train for power, but also assess progress or measure power um, in the gym. So, so plenty of, plenty of um, information there to, to go and digest. That's really interesting though, because when, like when most of our members sign up, that's one of the key things that they identify they want to achieve is to become a more powerful rugby player. But then when I talk to them about it afterwards, it's oftentimes like, you know, they want to, they want to power clean more, they want to jump higher, et cetera, but they're not necessarily thinking about power the way that you just described it, which is actually out on the field, like busting tackles, making big yeah. Yeah, well, I'll give you a tip. Artie Sevilla isn't very good at power cleans, right? But he's he's an extremely powerful athlete and player on the park. So, so there's one thing having gym strength or gym power, um, but it's another it's another thing to be able to express it in a in an actual task on the field. Um, you know, often we have often I've seen players that you know are, are amazing in the gym, um, but you put a ball in their hand and. And as soon as they hit a defender, they just they just collapse and fall to the ground. You know, there's no there's no fight to stay up. There's no leg drive. There's no sort of power and sort of resisting being taken to the ground. And and so so you know, I think everyone needs to think about. Yes, we need to get stronger and more powerful in the gym. Absolutely, um, we need to do that. And then we need to practice um, what that looks like on the field in our in our role on the park, you know, because we all have different roles, playing different positions, we're all of different sizes, playing different levels. Um and I think that that the the true the true test of your your power is is how that's um expressed on the park. And and I and I think you know a, a really good example could be um um you know a prop who who might have, you know, might might be quite good at military press, so so pressing above the head, might be pretty good at a push press or a jerk, um, but it comes to line out lifting, and they're slow and laboured because everything's not quite perfect. Um, but I, I but I know for sure that you know, in in any rugby team, um, the coaches, the athletes, your teammates would rather someone was very dynamic and explosive in the lifting and a line out then they could throw a good weight above their head in the gym you know so it's that sort of it's that it's that bridging that bridging that sort of um gap between field and gym is is really key to be thinking about all the time because the number in the gym doesn't necessarily make you um a great player on the park well you're right like if you think about it like anyone listening to this go to the gym and try a few push jerks from the rack and then try lifting someone in the line on it it's a completely different grip it's a different movement, right? It's there's a lot of differences there, and 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 time constraints are, 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 are massive because you're having to step into a body and get your get your palms and your fingers, you know, on the thigh of the of the jumper, um, and you're having to ex- extend as quick as you can, as high as you can, um, whilst everything's not perfect, you know. Whereas in the gym, we sort of get our our stance right, we get our hips right, we get our grip right, we sort of take a deep breath. You know, we explode and push the bar up and get it rattling. You know, sort of, sort of like that on the rugby field. So, so we it's probably worth practicing a lot more as that expression of power versus just training in the gym. That's real interesting. So, when we think about expressing power in the gym, though, what are the benefits of say Olympic lifts, plyometrics, med ball throws, 
and speed lifts. How does what are the benefits to the rugby player? Well, I think that I mean the benefits are, you know, if if we think that power is is what helps us be better players, um, then increasing our ability to produce power um, should help us be better rugby players in all those areas and tasks that I've already sort of talked about. So, so the key is we we want to get more powerful, but we also have to understand that we need to be able to transfer that power from the gym to the field. And so all those movements you talked about, throwing medicine balls, moving bars at certain speeds, um, jumping with weight on our back, power cleans, snatches, you name it. Um, they've all got their place in everyone's program. Um, and, and I think a, not a frustration of mine, but, but something I've learned over time is that often, you know, people will spend a lot of time trying to master the power clean. Um, you know, and, and most people's uh, limitation in, in power cleans is, is a technical issue versus a, a physical issue, at least in rugby players. Um, and so, you know, a lot of time might be spent on the technical aspects of, of a power clean, where in actual fact, what we're after is just really good triple extension. You know, we want, in, we want an extension through the foot, the knee and the hip, and we want to be able to do that and, and maintain that forces we produce through our shoulders, really, most of the time. Um, so any pushing or jumping, tackling, accelerating is all about triple extension um, and, and, and maintenance of force through that through that sort of system. Um, so they all have a place, but um, you know I think keeping things really simple, simple movements um, with the focus on force production and, and minimal time is really important. Um, you know, for example, you know, we, we might um, we might have some people that are trying to power clean but have restrictions in their elbow flexibility, their wrist flexibility, inability to catch properly. Um, or if they do catch, they're putting a lot of load through their wrists, so there's a risk of injury. Um, you know, why not just why not just pull the bar? Why not just do a clean pull? Don't worry about the catch. You know, we can focus on triple extension. We can remove the the, I suppose, the, the thing that's restricting the completion of the task or creating an injury risk area, and we're still getting the benefit. Um, likewise, um, we're after triple extension, just chuck a bar on your back and, and jump jump squat with it, you know, or, or, or lock it into some bands and put a decent weight on and actually just triple extend into the, into the bands. Um, so I think, you know, we have to understand that everyone's got technical sort of restrictions I suppose um or maybe aren't as skillful in the gym as others um but we still all need the 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 benefits of of strength and power um and how that ex uh, transfers to the field so for those out there that don't know and you did an excellent job explaining but I think sometimes that like technical terms can be confusing triple extension if you just go outside right now and jump up in the air you'll see that your toes end up pointing down your knees straighten and your hips straighten so that's what we're talking about. And we've I've seen actually lately a lot of our members uh, send videos through of, say, power cleans or clean pulls, et cetera. And they're hyper extending through the hips. So their hips are actually moving forward and they're not necessarily getting that vertical force. So what would you do for someone like that? Would you say, OK, maybe maybe for you, like instead of doing clean pulls from the floor, we need you to get working from a hang or we need to do a more simplistic exercise so you can get the triple extension down first. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, that, that's what I'm, I suppose that's what I'm getting at is, is, you know, the, the lift, if the lift is too complicated, the benefits are limited um, yeah. because we are restricted by the technical aspects of the lift. And, and if you actually just think about it, let's say that we're wanting to improve um, acceleration off the mark, right? Um, and so that requires triple extension, one leg at a time. You know, we're sprinting essentially. Um, and so I think that the key thing is understanding that, um, you know, we've got a most most of our movements we train in the in the vertical plane. Um, yet most of the power we're trying to produce is in the horizontal plane. And so we need to be thinking about that because, you know, you can squat and clean till the cows come home. And it might not transfer to sprint, uh, to acceleration because it's in a different plane of movement. And so we have to be looking at other other ways. So so for example, you know, a really common simple method that's probably the most um, beneficial in my mind would be, you know, most people are, are better squatters than they are cleaners. And so let's let's develop force or strength through a squat pattern, vertical direction, two legs at a time. So bilateral, um, we know we're getting some really good strength through, um, you know, quads, hips, um, glutes, torso. Um, we're getting good strength there in the vertical plane. Then we need to do something that's maybe a little bit more sprint, sprint specific. So that could be a, you know, that could be a dynamic step up. It could be a band resisted uh, lunge pattern. Um, so we're getting single leg now and we can actually change our posture and be pushing a little bit behind us. Um, so we almost look like we're running um, and, and maybe the weight's a bit lower and we're now trying to, we, we've done our heavy stuff in the vertical plane. We're now trying to get a little bit more, you know, somewhere between horizontal and vertical. So maybe, maybe a 45 degree action, single leg. And now we're going to lift a little bit less weight quicker, you know, so we're getting some slow, heavy stuff, vertical. We're getting some moderate load, um, single leg work and a more of a 45 and and we so we're sort of moving down that down that sort of continuum, and then we finish finish that lunge pattern with some speed, and then we might finish with some jumps, some some plyometrics, and so all of a sudden the plyometrics can be a vertical and a horizontal focus, so it could be some box jumps and then some broad jumps, um, could be double leg, could be single leg, and so there's all these variables we can manipulate. But I suppose what I've tried to show you there is we can we can train vertical. We can train 45 and then we can train horizontal and and that way we're actually transferring some of these attributes to a I suppose more specific mode of action which is acceleration mm -hmm. um, and so lots of things to consider and and really it's about it's about force being strength power being um, force and time and then your plyometrics is sort of your your your, your speed component and so a situation like that, that sort of triple set would, would be a really simple um, method to get some really good bang for buck to help you sprint quicker. That's great. And would you also, would you stack in there the use of sleds, like pulling a sled, pushing a sled as well? Absolutely. And sleds yeah. have become really important and popular nowadays, um, you know, because they're a way of getting stronger. Um, in a unilateral position so single leg work um in the right direction horizontally so um you know really really important and yeah, not everyone has access to sleds um 
but I know that there's a you know most most rugby most rugby players around the world, you know, in the professional environment would be would be pushing or pulling sleds at some point during the week. I saw for those out there who might not have access to a sled, there was a real real cool video of uh, some of I think they were the Fijian men's sevens team. And they were training in the sand. They had a rope around their waist, pulling tires behind them. And they were doing their sleds that way. So you can get real creative with it. Um, yeah, so don't miss out on your sleds. So with... Yeah, I mean, the easier, the easier, the easiest, another easy way to do that, Bucky, is, you know, you just go to the local hardware shop and you buy some chains. Mm. Um, you know, you buy, you buy 10, 20, 30 kilos of chains and, and all you need is a rope to tie around your waist. And, and you can push, uh, you can pull, you know, reverse reverse chain pulls um or you can sprint um or you can just walk um you can crawl um you can do whatever you want with some load that's just tied up behind you so tires are good uh but chains are just as good hmm. i would have never thought of that actually that's really cool i'm gonna have to get some so when an athlete's looking at power over the course of a calendar year let's say they're in the off season do they need to be incorporating plyometrics and olympic lifts through that time or are there specific times a year say pre-season and in-season where they should be prioritizing power training uh i think you know I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit old school but um i think that generally speaking um if we don't train it we don't we don't improve it mm -hmm. and so if, if we acknowledge that power is important as a rugby player, um, then we should be we should be working in that space 12 months a year. Um, you know, a number of years ago, I probably was guilty of not sort of doing enough power work through the through the year um, when I was working in super rugby. And, and, and I think that nowadays, you know, it's like speed work. It's like plyometrics. It's strength. Um, aerobic work and aerobic work all, all those sort of um attributes that we, we we require as a rugby player we should be tapping into as often as possible um you know you um you don't use it you lose it and it's as simple as that um you know the 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 phases of training um you know that that maybe we we used to think were important um has probably changed a little bit in the rugby player um you know, we don't necessarily have big aerobic blocks nowadays. Um, you know, unless you're building from nothing. You know, if you if you're just trying, if you're a club rugby player and you're trying to build towards a season, then then that's different. Um, but if you've been training twelve months a year um, for a few years and you're actually you're really competent in the gym, you're strong, you're pretty quick, your body composition is really good, your aerobic side of things is pretty good, then then we need to keep trying to improve things all the way through. Um, now that's not to say that the focus doesn't change. Um, you know, in the off season, um, you know, my focus would be on unloading the joints a little bit, bumping the reps up in the gym, taking some load off so that the body can actually just get a really good uh, muscle muscle hit going, rather than it all be about tendons and and, and heavy loads. Um, but you know, you'd build back to being strong. Um, you know, it's like likewise. Your, your your intervals in season might be, you know, shorter intervals and and low volume, and and in the off season, the, the intervals might get long again with a bit less intensity, and and then you build them, build the intensity up again as the season progresses. So power is no different. Um, 
you know you might have you might just manipulate the the load on the bar when we're doing power or the number of reps we're doing or the bar speed we're going to focus on um you know but we should be doing some elements of power all the time and and whether that was olympic lifts or squat patterns or chains or bands um either way we've always trying to make you know produce force quickly so you i like where you finished that you kind of led me right into my next question so what what are the pros and cons of using bands or chains for accommodating resistance so basically the, at the top of the rep it's getting harder why why should athletes do that or sh or should they yeah um the main theory is that um if we were to let, let's say we've, we're bench pressing and we're trying to we're trying to create some power in our bench press and you know um we we lay down we 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 take the load on the bar we bring it down to our chest and then we explode back up um what what you actually find is that towards the end of the extension of the elbow we actually need to slow the bar down otherwise our shoulder will probably pop out right so so there is this element of deceleration at the end because we're not letting it go okay so if we were to bench throw so we're bench pressing and we're letting go of the bar at the top then we're not going to slow down we're not going to decelerate we're letting the, we're throwing the bar um so the difference is with bands and chains is um, we're able to actually put in a decent amount of effort and, and the band will do the slowing down, the chains will do the slowing down, but we're still trying to extend maximally through it. So that's the first idea or the first um, reason. The second reason is that we all know what the sticking point is. Okay, The sticking point is when we're, we're mid-rep, the weight's pretty heavy and we get stuck uh, we need a little bit of a spot to get through it, then we can get through it. And and basically what explains that sticking point is um, our muscles and our joints produce different amounts of forces through range. Um, and, and I suppose um, a good example is squatting out of the hole, okay, that sort of bottom part of the squat, we're typically weaker than the very top part of the squat. And that's because of the levers um, that are involved or the lever lengths that are involved and the muscle lengths that are involved and so often our the load or our our gains in the gym are restricted by that sticking point okay we fail at the sticking point okay that's the weight we can do um and 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 but but what happens is once we get past it it's quite easy again and so the idea of accommodating resistance or bands and change is that as we get stronger through the movement, the load's increasing. Okay, so we are training the full range at a high level rather than just the first half of the lift and then cruising through the second half of the lift. And so it helps you get, get I suppose, strength gains through the full range rather than just through the middle. Hmm. I hope that makes sense. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, no, that was an excellent... Uh, explanation I have never heard it put like that it, it made it made a lot more sense to me for sure so do you have do you have any specific favorite I guess it, maybe not methods but combinations of exercises to increase power like you know sometimes you'll pair a back squat with a band resisted jump or like if you had to give maybe like three of your top favorite combinations or methods what would they be okay um I would do a um, 
a band resisted squat, sort of a half squat. So really extending to, into the band. Um, I'd do some box jumps and then I'd do some horizontal jumps. That would be my first triple set. Okay, so really good combination there. Um, another combination would be uh, a jump squat. So jumping with bar and back. So, you know, maybe 40, 50, 60 kilos um, jumping for height. Um, and then some assisted and resisted jumps um, vertically. Um, so contrast jumping. Um, that would be my second sort of superset. This is obviously for all lower body. Um, and then the third one would probably be a reasonably heavy squat pattern with a reasonably heavy sled pattern. Um, uh, so pushing uh, into a 10 meter acceleration. Um, so again, the, 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 all those examples show us that we go from something heavy-ish to something moderate to something quick. And, and so you're sort of tapping into all aspects of force production, the, the heavy, slow stuff, the moderate quick stuff and then the the light fast stuff and and I think if if we're contrasting and and supersetting to try and get uh, maximal gain then then there are probably three sort of combos that I'd go to when you do those combinations would you have the athlete rest in between each exercise <coughs> or would they take an extended rest period after <coughs> each working set yeah, I think um, we're typically not trying to create fatigue. You know, like we're not really after fatigue. And there's a bit of a theory around there about potentiation and how one lift helps improve the next movement, helps improve the next movement. So I would sort of be, because we're not going to fatigue or failure, you know, reps are typically low. It's about quality, you know. And and if you think on the rugby park, um, you know, there is an element of continual expressions of power. Um but what we're trying to do in the gym is try to increase our, our ability to produce power. And, and so we don't want to accumulate fatigue um, uh, in most situations. Um, and so I would typically have, you know, um, between contrasts, I'd probably be looking at 30 seconds to 60 seconds, um, but pretty chill. Um, and between sets, you know, between blocks or, or triple sets, I'd probably have a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Um uh, but it does depend on training age. Does depend on the load you're pushing, um, because if you if you if you're going with a slightly heavier squat and a slightly heavier sled, then you know you just want to make sure that when you get to your next exercise that you're not gassed. Um, you don't need to be fully recovered, but you don't want to be gassed. You just want to make sure you're recovered to express yourself again and produce force quickly. Um, you know, I think that's probably the most important thing. It's a little bit like when we're strength training as as if we're trying to gradually put weight on the bar, then we sort of want to recover from the previous set before we try and go heavier, you know? Um, otherwise, all you do is get shit reps out and, and we don't want shit reps. No, no, we don't want any of that. So it's, if, if we think about, all right, just com coming back around to how, how we get the athlete to progress with power training, how do you build progressive overload into a training block or over the calendar year does that look like your like which variables do you do you manipulate is it sets reps uh load how are you measuring that like because i know for me like I, what i've seen a lot is okay so you're gonna do a three by three clean pull and you're just gonna keep adding load to that then you might do a three by two but there's doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of thought applied to that 
So how yeah, would you apply um, progressive overload? So for me, it's um, sets, reps, um, overall session volume, mm -hmm. and speed. Okay, which which impacts the weight on the bar. And so, um, you know, th th example you just gave three by three, you know, it might be three by three for a month, um, but it might be um, at a certain bar speed or a certain weight. And then we might go to um, four by two and we might be wanting to keep the weight um, that we did our three by threes at, but we're trying to move it faster. Um, you know, it might be that we do four by twos, but they're contrasted with, with some jumps that we didn't do in the first block. Um, so I think it's a matter of, um, you do need an element of progression um, in terms of intensity and volume. And then you need to come back and, and then reduce that intensity and volume and then build up again. And and I think that goes for, for all aspects of, of, of strength and conditioning is that we can't just do three by three all year round and expect to get anywhere. We need to be doing three by three, three by four, three by five, five by three, five by four, you know, five by one. And and we we manipulate the load, the velocity, um, the volume, the rest period, um, and understand that that goes for all aspects of what we're doing. Um, you know, often often I will pull back in the gym if we are increasing field work. You know, like um, we need to we need to we can't just build everything up at the same time. We need to we need to push in some areas and pull back in others. Um, and and likewise, we need to increase load in some movements and decrease load in other movements. So, um, yeah, it's it's reasonably complex. Uh, but at the end of the day, the the rationale is all the same as the body's a an organism that adapts to stress, but it also needs time to recover to keep adapting to stress and grow. So, um, yeah, manipulating those variables all the time is important. Hmm. Well, you're, you're totally right. Because if you think about what's happening when they're on the field, that would be when those intense, powerful moments are happening, right? So you'd want to scale that back in the gym anyway. That's right. That's right. You know, and often, often we're playing 80 minutes or we're playing 40 minutes and all of a sudden you're taking a window of opportunity because someone's a bit fresher. Mm -hmm. to actually push the boat out a bit in, in, in a certain week, you know, versus if you're playing 80 week in, week out, um, you know, maybe we need to just pull back a little bit in the gym because again, so much exposure on the on the park, you know. So, um, you know, everyone's different and, and everyone's sort of, I suppose, needs vary all the time. And so um, a lot of common sense is required from the athlete as well as the coach. Awesome. So we had a really great question from one of our members, Adam. So he said, Gilly, what would be the best way to develop power in the gym that would have a good transfer to contact situations, mainly carrying as a flank? Well, um, good question. It's probably the, the holy grail, really. Like, um, you know, how do we become really good carriers of the ball? Um, and... And like the example I gave at the start about Artie Sevilla um, being very hard to stop when he's got ball in hand, um, he just fights and just resists being taken down. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a. Um, Seems like super aggressive. Like he's got like a fight in him. Well, I was just going to say, it's actually a, there's an element of, I just like, I'm not giving up here. I'm just going to fight and fight and fight. And you have to work really hard to get me to the ground. And, and so 
a lot of people don't have that. And so there is an element of practicing that, um, you know, practicing staying on your feet, practicing leg drive. Um, you know, a lot of people almost anticipate the tackle, so they accept the tackle. And, and I think that that's something that any young player can practice is practicing going into a collision, you know, safely, whether that's into some pads or not, but going into a, a, a brick wall, so to speak, and, and staying up, like fighting to stay up. And I think that's really, really important. So, so actually practice the skill you're trying to get at, get them get better at. Um, thinking that getting a strong squat is going to help you in that, um, we're missing something because, like I said, I've seen some amazing squatters who can't carry the ball to save themselves. Um, and likewise, I've seen some average squatters that are just very hard to take down. Um, so I think it's a it's a really good question, and, and I suppose if I was to answer it honestly and thoroughly, it would be get strong with two legs, get strong with with um, and sing, single leg movements, okay? Um, have a very strong functional core so that um, anything you're doing in your lower body is, is held onto and transferred through the upper body. Um, work on um, fending and resisting being taken to ground. So actually practice the skill. So yes, get strong in the gym bilaterally and unilaterally. Um, work on that work on that power and those same movements, work on a really strong functional core and then practice the task. Apply that strength, apply that power to the task, which is ball carry, okay? Carrying the ball with one hand, getting rid of defenders with the other, someone's tackling you, fighting to stay up, fighting for the extra meter and resisting the tackle. Man, I would say that's definitely a mic drop moment. So that's... Uh... This has been a great podcast, Gilly. Do you have anything else to add before we go? No, no. I think um, no. I think we've covered it, Bucky. I think there's some some good um, some good knowledge in there, some good info. So yep. hopefully, all the listeners uh, lap it up and go and get powerful. Love it. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Rugby Ready Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we definitely appreciate your support. For all things Rugby Ready, follow us on Instagram at Rugby Ready. And also make sure you're following Gilly on Insta at Nick Gill underscore health underscore and underscore performance. We'll see you next time.